Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Asman and Budic Show podcast. I'm Jake Asman alongside Dan Budic. And, Dan, a lot of great games on the schedule this week. Of course, it starts with the Patriots and the Colts. And when we looked at the schedule, a lot of tough games for us to pick, a lot of games, but we weren't really sure what we wanted to do when we got to the picks can pick them. Yeah, you look at this week's schedule, a lot of close, tight spreads on some of these games where you say, wow, you know, which way do I want to go? And you could go really either direction. Not really many of those safe games you could pick that will just get you a quick win in our matchup, obviously. We're neck and neck in, in that category. But, you know, a lot of good games. A lot of good games on the schedule. And, obviously, with the Jets not playing, you just got the Giants. You got the primetime games. And, like you said, the marquee matchup this week, Indianapolis, New England. It's going to be a great game, and we'll definitely get to that when we go around the rest of the schedule. But just as a reminder, as always, we'll have our pigskin pickums later on in the show. We'll have the buy or sell segment with our producer, Jake Chernock. He will have another weekly edition of his four downs package that we put in the show each and every week. But we begin right now going around the schedule, and we start with the Vikings at the Bears. Two divisional rivals, and of course a Bears team that has just imploded in recent weeks. Oh, the Bears are terrible. And, you know, Mark Trestman said to his team in the locker room when they came out of the half uh, uh, this past week that they're just not a good football team, and they really aren't. I mean, offensively, they're abysmal. Special teams, I mean, special teams are special teams, but they haven't done a particular good job. They they actually are second in the NFC in the most turnovers on special teams, which is, which is ridiculous for a team that's supposed to be in playoff contention. You definitely can't have that happen. But then you look at defensively, they're not, defen- they're not defensively as great as we thought they'd be. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Brian Urlacher is not here. We talked about it previous shows. He's really the leader of that defense, and they have really gotten progressively worse. They sit at 3-6 and six right now, and their season's really on the line this week against the Vikings. Well, they're probably done right now just like the Giants are at 3-6, and six, but they do need to win this week, obviously, just to get a feel-good story in that locker room. There's a lot of issues going on with Jay Cutler and questions yeah. surrounding his future in Chicago. Of course, controversy with the head coach, Mark Lance Tresman. Briggs. What do you do with him, Lance Briggs? And, you know, you look at this team. Two years ago, they went 10-6. and They fired Lovey Smith. Last year, they went 8-8. Eight and eight. They brought in Mark Tresman to lead him there. Yet, this team, a year ago, should have made the playoffs. The Packers were without Aaron Rodgers, and they still found a way to win enough games to win that last game, the final game of the season a year ago, and sneak into the playoffs. They're not a very good football team this year. They've been awful. Their defense has been horrendous. They can't do anything offensively, and they should be able to. They have enough talent on that side of the football to be able to, be able to put up some points, and they haven't been able to do it. So right now, they're sitting at 3-6 and six with a second-year head coach. You have to wonder if... Maybe his job is in jeopardy. Uh, he very well could be because they had high hopes last year, uh, and they only finished 8-8. Eight and, eight. and this year, just it's been negative storyline after negative storyline when you talk about Jay Cutler, when you talk about Lance Briggs, who you know came out and said, well, this might be my la- this is probably going to be my last game at Lambeau Field because you know I don't think I'll be a Bear next year. I mean, that says a lot when you're talking about a team that was going into the week 3-5 and five and really right in the mix, you know, not necessarily out of it. I mean, that says a lot when uh, – when your, your star defender is saying things like that, and maybe Tressman's losing the locker room a little bit, and, you know Brandon Marshall is questioning the quarterback play, and it's it just it's not it's not a positive attitude out in Chicago right now. So let's get to another game, of course, that being the Texans and the Cleveland Browns. How about this Browns team, six and three? What an impressive win on Thursday Night Football a week ago over the Bengals, and now you look at this Cleveland Browns team sitting in first place. Pretty hard to believe. Pretty hard to believe, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with Brian Hoyer. He's Done nothing, nothing spectacular, but he's good enough. He doesn't turn over the ball. He has it in the last couple weeks. He's been consistently able to 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 make the safe passes, make the easy plays, 
And you know what? We all thought that pressure of Johnny Manziel looming as the possible starter midway through the season would hurt Brian Hoyer. And you know what? I think it's motivated the guy, and good for him. He's really stepped up and shown that he's the guy to lead this Browns team. I mean, Brian Hoyer has just been fantastic. He's been unbelievable. You look at what he's been able to do fighting the distractions of Johnny Manziel and whether or not he would have some sort of impact on the season. But he comes in, he's played well, he's played smart, he hasn't turned the football over that much, and Cleveland's proven to be a lot better than we all thought. You look at what they've been able to go out there and do, and 6-3 and three through nine games this season is extremely impressive. I mean, I didn't even... I, I really question whether this team would win six games, nevertheless be 6-3 and three at this point in the season. I think one thing that's really surprised me is defensively. I mean, they could really rush the passer better, more so than I thought they could. I did not realize that their defense was this stout, and that just... I think that attributes to Mike Pettin coming in there as a defensive head coach and really taking the reins and being the head coach of this football team. He's done a tremendous job in his first season. And now you look at the Texans, of course, they're at 4-5, and and they made a quarterback change this week. They made a quarterback change, and I think they made it at the right time two weeks ago going into the bye that Mallett was going to be the guy. He'll get his first start as a Texan this week. Of course, they had plenty of time to prep. That's why they did do that change right before the bye week. You give them an extra week to really grasp the playbook and let them work with the the first-team offense. It's going to be interesting to see how Mallett does, considering we never got a chance to see him play in New England. People were very high on him, and he had a, a rough senior season, if you remember. His draft stock fell. He ends up going to the Patriots. They take him. He's Brady's backup for a number of seasons, and now he's given his first opportunity to really get a starting job. Just like Brian Hoyer was Brady's backup for a number of years. So, I mean, you never know. And I, I think it was time to make the move only because I think – Fitzpatrick wasn't getting the job done. I mean, he he's okay at best, but he was not getting the job done consistently. You traded for Ryan Mallett. You gave up a six-round pick. I think it's time in the season at four and five to give him a look. That's what they're going to do. Now, our next game is the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. And if I said to you at the beginning of the season, you know, right around where we are right now in, in week 11, this would probably be the marquee game you'd want to watch. Instead, both teams come in with a combined 6-12-1 record. Unbelievable. Both these teams were supposed to be very good. Obviously, Atlanta had a down year a season ago. We all thought it was a bit of an aberration. They'd be getting Julio Jones back. We thought they'd be able to put things together with Matt Ryan and Mike Smith in place. This year, they have just been horrendous. And then getting to the Panthers, we saw them get embarrassed on Monday Night Football by Mark Sanchez and that Eagles football team. They can't protect Cam Newton. Newton doesn't have the playmakers on offense he did a year ago. And he's really struggled trying to you know, be the guy for that football team. And the Panthers, after winning 12 games, are sitting here right now at three six and one. Yeah, the Panthers last year looked like they were gonna, you know, they were making that step into being one of the best teams in the NFC for years to come. And listen, uh, we talked about it. They really took apart that receiving core that that did so much for Cam Newton. And uh, defensively, they're not as good. They don't cover like they did last year. You know, Luke Keekley's been been really good, but he hasn't played like the player he was last year. He was he was you know. He was unbelievable last year. I mean, he was making plays all over the field, and you know he's been battling a little injuries. I know, so they, I mean, they're they're just not the team they were last year. And I think they were expecting Cam Newton to maybe take more of a leadership role on the team. I don't know if he necessarily has. I think that's a big part of why they've struggled the way they have. Now we're looking at another game, and you have the Bengals, who the aforementioned team just got beat by Cleveland last week really badly on Thursday Night Football. They're taking on the Saints, and for the first time since 2010, with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. As a respective quarterback and head coaches, the Saints lost at home to the Niners, and now they're basically in a almost a must-win situation. Actually, I wouldn't say that because, of course, they're probably still going to win the division. But if they want to get a high seed, they got to start winning some football games. And then losing at home to the 49ers saved the Niners' season. Now another home game taking on the Bengals. Yeah, and I'm a little surprised. I know New Orleans is at home. I'm surprised Cincinnati seven-point underdogs. 
I mean, I know I know they've struggled in the last couple of weeks, but I would think it would be a little closer spread than seven points. I mean, points. what's gotten into Andy Dalton? Yeah, I mean, he it, the last couple of weeks, Andy Dalton has not played like he did at the end of last year and like he did at the beginning of this year. But, you know, it was a tough loss for the Saints against the 49ers. Like, like we mentioned last week, the 49ers season was on the brink. And the Saints are a team that, like you mentioned, if they want to have some home field advantage, maybe get a home playoff game, I mean, they're going to have to start winning these football games, and they're going to have to win this one. No doubt about that. That's going to be a game that's going to be very interesting because, obviously, we, we already mentioned Cincinnati got killed last week by got Cleveland. smoked. How does Andy Dalton respond in a tough environment on the road? That will be you know, a big sign of what type of season we could expect from Cincinnati the rest of the way. Absolutely. It, it all comes down to Andy Dalton and how he plays. I mean, last Thursday against Cleveland, I mean, he wasn't. he was awful. I mean, he was abominable. He was abominable. He really, I mean, they didn't protect him very well, but, I mean, he he, could, he was missing open receivers left and right, so I, uh, that's going to obviously have to improve, especially when you head into a, a really difficult environment like the Superdome. Now let's get to another game. You have the 1-8 and eight Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on your 3-6 and six Washington Redskins. Obviously, Dan, the game of the week. Your thoughts? No, um, of course. I mean, the Buccaneers... Uh, I, the, I mean, I, th- I, we, we didn't, th- I didn't think they'd be this bad. But a lot of people were very high on them. We've talked about it a couple times on the show. I didn't think they'd be really good, but I did not think they'd be one and eight bad. I thought they'd get a lot better player to the quarterback position, whether it be Mike Lennon or now back to McCown. But it just hasn't happened. I mean, they're they're just not a good football team. And the Redskins, uh, the Redskins outside, you know, getting RG three back. I mean, they they've had their struggles defensively as well. So I mean, this is just one of those games where you look at it on the schedule and you say, I, I don't know if I'll watch. I definitely won't be watching, but here's a game that you know is a little bit better. At least you have Denver at seven and two taking on the St. Louis Rams at three and six, and a matchup of two teams coming in in opposite directions. The Rams made a quarterback change, and then you have Peyton Manning with a dominating performance that got back on track last week. Yeah, it was a big time for uh, the Broncos to get back on track. Remember, they fell early; they were down early to the uh, to the Raiders. But I mean, they they put up what thirty five unanswered points and, and won that one. But the St. Louis Rams, you know, they're going with Sean Hill this week. Sean Hill obviously got hurt in Week One because of a thigh injury. hasn't played since. They were with. Uh, Austin Davis, they've decided to make the switch to go back to Sean Hill. So after a long rest, Sean Hill's finally back in a starting quarterback position. He's finally healthy, and let's see what he can do. Sean Hill has been up and down throughout his career, but he's shown some signs. Maybe the Rams move the football a little bit better. But, I mean, Denver's far superior here. you got to expect they go into Cincinnati. Uh, excuse me, go into St. Louis and get a win. I mean, they should. They should. This is a game that the, this is a game on their schedule they should win. So we'll get to another game right here as we get to the Seahawks and the Chiefs. Obviously, Seattle with a dominating performance over the Giants. And now they come into Kansas City, and Kansas City won a big game in Buffalo that a lot of people didn't think they were going to win. Bills were in control, really let that game slip, and now they're faced with an awesome opportunity at home to make a statement to the NFL. Yeah, statement to the NFL, and, and just show that they're you know they're for real in the East. Uh, they're, I mean, they're for real in the AFC. Excuse me, uh, but you're facing a Seahawks team that really smoked the Giants last week. I mean, it was 17-17. I mean, but the Giants got outplayed for four quarters. They really did. They couldn't do much at all, and then. Once the, that rushing attack came in, I mean, five rushing touchdowns from an offense that really had, had been struggling running the football in the previous couple of weeks. So, I mean, Seattle did a tremendous job to get back on track last week. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. And, you know, Seattle's really gotten it going. They were 3-3. Three and three. They've won three straight since. And, you know, they look to be playing, you know, at a much better level than they were, obviously, early on. And the key for them, of course, is running the football. It allows Russell Wilson to be better. It allows that whole team to be better. And that defense has been able to make more plays as the week's gone by. I don't love the matchup if you're a Chiefs fan. Your team is predicated on running the football with Jamal Charles, and the Seahawks defense is relatively good at stopping the run. And then, of course, you're playing that game on the road. This game is not in Seattle, so Kansas City definitely has a great chance. Kansas City has – any time you take Seattle out of their domain, and we've seen that this year, 
especially, not so much last year, because they were, they were dominating everyone, it seemed like, last year, but more so this year, you take them out of their environment, they're definitely beatable. Another game we'll get to, this one is an AFC West matchup. Raiders at the Chargers. Oakland Raiders at 0-9, still searching for their first win. And the Chargers are at 5-4 and four after they were the talk of the NFL early on. The talk of the NFL early on, this, this is the San Diego Chargers year. I mean, if you remember th- four, about four about a month ago, excuse me. I mean, how good was Philip Rivers playing? I mean, you could we were making the argument he could have been an MVP candidate, and it kind of slid downhill. But I mean, this is a week they got this is a week they got to get back on track against an Oakland Raiders team doesn't even have a win yet. I mean, and they they they've showed some signs like we've said before. Derek Carr's played well, but I mean, San Diego's got to take care of this if they want to compete in the uh, AFC. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And this is not the week that the Raiders are going to be able to. Get I don't their first think so. Win. I'd be stunned if they didn't. You know, especially with how big of a game this is for this Chargers team. Just they get need, back on track. They need to get back on track, string some wins together, because at 5-4 and four in the AFC, there's no guarantee they're going to make the playoffs. Now let's get to another game as we keep going along on the schedule right here on the Asman Budic Show podcast. Lions at the Cardinals, and an interesting storyline surrounding the Cardinals, because, of course, they lost Carson Palmer. For the season, they lose Carson Palmer for the season, and that's a big loss. A lot of people talking about, oh, their defense is still really good. I get that, but it's going to be tough to go into into the playoffs because you know, eight, at eight and one, they're going to make the playoffs. There's, there's no doubt about that. It's going to be tough to go into the playoffs and seriously compete, in my opinion, when you got Drew Stanton starting a quarterback as opposed to having Carson Palmer in there, who's a pro's pro. Losing Palmer is going to hurt. This it's team. huge. You know, this is a team that this is a team that's really relied on Palmer early on. They have a great defense, and of course, they've really depended on those guys as well. But Carson Palmer's been a really good quarterback this season for them. He's played very well. You got to credit him. I haven't always been the biggest Carson Palmer fan, but this idea that just because because they lost their starting quarterback, they're going to be okay going forward. I'm not necessarily going to buy that. I think there is a big step down when you go from Carson Palmer, who's been an All Pro in this league before. To go into, you know, Drew Stanton, a guy that when he's been in there, he's played effectively, but he's never a guy that's had long-term success in the NFL. Well, that's the thing. I think with Drew Stanton, you say, oh, well, he was two and one this year as a starter. That's on a three-week limited basis where you knew you were going to get, you knew you were going to get Carson back at some point. I mean, Stanton's going to be your guy going forward through the rest of the regular season and into the playoffs, and however deep you get in there, they're going to need him to really make big plays and. Just, it's going to be tough. I, I don't know if I've seen enough out of Drew Stanton to tell me he can lead a team deep into the playoffs. Let's get to the Eagles and the Packers right now. And, of course, you have Mark Sanchez with a phenomenal performance on Monday Night Football. We both thought he played pretty he well. He was phenomenal. Given the fact that he's had time to learn a new system, Chip Kelly's a quarterback guru, and you saw Mark Sanchez go out there, not turn the football over and throw for over 300 yards, and as two big Jet fans, we couldn't be happier for him. And then, of course, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers threw six touchdowns in the first half the other night on Sunday Night Football against the Bears. So you have two teams coming in with very good offenses, this game's going to come down to who can make fewer mistakes, and I have to like the Packers about to pick a team in that one. I do too, but I think I really hope Mark Sanchez continues to play well. But I just think Green Bay's rolling right now. I mean, they they really they really smoked. I mean, you can't get beat worse than the Bears got beat by Green Bay uh, on Sunday night. That was just a flat out blowout, and I think Green Bay's just rolling right now. And I think they should beat this Philadelphia Eagles team. But I, I do hope Mark Sanchez plays well. That's just my uh, my Jet fan uh, fandom. I hope he plays well, and I think he will. And I think it's going to be a very good football game. But I think at the end of the day, the Packers are getting things going right now. And, you know, the Eagles are 7-2. and two. They, they obviously have a better record than the Packers, too, by a game. I just think that you look at the matchups, this game's going to be played at Lambeau Field. How good is Aaron Rodgers when he plays he's at phenomenal. He's phenomenal. He doesn't he, lose. Yeah, he's, you know, he's one of those guys like Breeze, like Brady. They, those great quarterbacks, they're great at home, especially when you're talking about playing in such an environment like Lambeau Field. I, I mean, they should be able to win this game. It's going to be a tough one, though. 
Eagles have played very well. And you have to credit Mark Sanchez because through all the adversity he's faced, for him to go in there and play that well in the prime time under the lights – and you see what he did after the game, celebrating with the cheesesteak. Nice Philly cheesesteak from Geno's. Pats and Geno's, of course. And, you know, credit Mark Sanchez. He deserves the opportunity, and it's great to see him get a shot to go out there and play well. Absolutely. Let's get to the game of the week now, Dan. Patriots and the Colts. Luck versus Brady. Obviously, a game that's going to be played on Sunday Night Football game. We will pick later on in the show. But you have Andrew Luck, who throws for 300 yards every single football game, taking on a Patriots team. That is also playing outstanding football right now. Remember the doom and gloom of the Patriots? Well, right now they're at seven and two. They're at seven and two right now, and the the only thing I, that concerns me about this game, from the Patriots standpoint, is you talk about a Patriots secondary that's going to be on their heels. You know what the Colts are going to do with Andrew Luck. They're going to throw the football 45, 50 times, and they're going to throw it even if they have success or not. So I think they're going to be on their heels. You know if. if Andrew Luck chooses to attack Darrell Revis if he's on his game. You know that's going to be an interesting matchup to see how they approach the Patriots secondary from that standpoint. But it, 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 this is the best matchup of the week. Well, I look at this game and I think it's going to come down to defense. Obviously, Absolutely. I think you look at this game and you know the offenses are both going to be able to put up some points. But who's going to make that play? The 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 with the NFL the way it is now, and you don't really have dominating defenses outside of Seattle from a year ago which they had a historically great defense. You credit them for last year. But you look at the way the NFL goes, and most teams rely on their defense to come up with an opportunistic play. They're not relying on them to shut down the other team. It's just not the way it works anymore with the way the NFL structured, with how it's so much predicated I mean, it's a quarterback-driven league. It's a quarterback-driven league. It's an offensive-driven league, and obviously it's going to come down to defense. So when you look at these two teams, they're both going to be able to put up some points. Which defense is going to be able to make a big-time play to affect the game if this game is close late in the fourth quarter? And we've quarter? seen both these defenses at times this season play really well and really and bad. really yeah. bad so I, I mean that's where I think the strong quarterback play really comes into hand so it's gonna obviously be dependent on who can make that one play we'll certainly find out obviously anytime you have Brady and Luck going at it in prime time it's gonna be must-watch television so let's get to the Monday night game now and you know after an awful week last week with the prime time games of course you had Thursday night was a blowout Bears-Packers on Sunday night was a blowout. And the Monday night game with Mark Sanchez and the Eagles ended up being a big-time blowout. So let's get to the Steelers and the Titans. This matchup on paper doesn't look that all that appealing. You have a Steelers team that just lost to our New York Jets, of course. We'll get to that later. But then you have the Tennessee Titans at 2-7, and seven, starting a rookie quarterback who Mettenberger hasn't exactly been all that great so far. He's been okay. Not the best matchup on Monday night. Not the best matchup on Monday night, and if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, this is the week you got to get back on track. You, you suffered a little bump in the road. You, you got beat by a Jets team. Maybe you took them a little bit for granted because of the, you saw the 1-8 well, record. Pittsburgh has lost to this year. They no, lost to Cleveland. They lost to – and Cleveland looks like they're a pretty good team. And Cleveland's so you, got six wins. You can, you, can, you can almost excuse that loss in, in some respect, but they lost to Cleveland. They lost to Tampa They should have lost home. to Houston. Tampa, Bay, Tampa Bay's only win this season was – Pittsburgh at home. No, and they should have lost to Houston, too, if it wasn't for those four turnovers in the last two minutes of the half that resulted in 21 unanswered points. I mean, that's what it really came down to. But when you talk about this Pittsburgh Steelers team, I think they took the Jets a little bit for granted last week, and this is the week they got to get back on track because you figure they win this game 7-4. and four. They're in good shape going forward to make a run. No, absolutely. And then, obviously, Dan, you look at the Steelers team, and some of the teams they've lost to, they can't lose. They lost to the Jets, Tampa, we yeah. mentioned. I mean, those are bad teams. Those are teams that haven't played well this year. They're they not have, good they teams. They have to win. If they want to be a playoff team, you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. They can't afford back-to-back losses to the Jets and Titans after they came off having you know the hottest quarterback in the history of the exactly, NFL, and Ben yeah. Roethlisberger. But so. that, you know what? We, we said early on they've been a team that's been so weak-to-weak. Week week. They had two really good weeks, and... 
I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised if they lay if they lay an egg against Tennessee. But if they're serious, I mean, at seven to four, if you win this game, you're in good shape going forward. I mean, that's a prime record. Where in the AFC, you could say, well, they're a team that's you could take seriously, make a playoff run. So we'll figure it out as we go along. We'll obviously be monitoring all the games, and we'll give our picks later on in the program. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to get to the usual Jets and Giants breakdown segment. Back right after this.
Welcome back to the Asman Budic Show. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budic. Football frenzy week number 11. And let's dive into the two local teams that we cover. The New York Giants, who Dan just last week suffered a horrendous loss on the road to Seattle. And you have to wonder at 3-6, and six, taking on the Niners at home, is their season over? I It certainly seems like they're going down a path that we've seen the Giant teams go down in, in previous years. I mean, at 3-6 and six right now, it's going to be tough for them to sneak into the playoffs, especially when you're talking about a team that just defensively, you know, not really as good as we thought they'd be. I, I really thought defensively they'd be much better. I really did, well, especially with some of the acquisitions. They were, last well, week. They were they awful. Ran over but when you Marshall when you Lynch. look at some of the acquisitions they made on defense in the offseason, I thought their defense would play a lot better, and it, it just hasn't. It, it really just hasn't. So I mean, and it was really apparent last week against the Seattle Seahawks team, which is tremendous. They're the defending world champions. You can't take anything away from them. But I mean, the Giants. I mean, the Giants might as well have not even been there in the second half. Five rushing touchdowns, three to Lynch, two to. Two to Russell Wilson. I, I, it just, it didn't give the offense much of a chance to do anything. The game was over really quick in the second half. I mean, you look at the way they come out, and you know the Giants have had their issues all season long. But it just seems like that when the Giants get beat, they get blown out. They're ne- they never they really do. lose close games. When they're in the game, they usually find a way to win. It's, it's appeared in recent years. Other than the Cowboys game, I mean, look at the, these games during the losing streak. They got beat by Philadelphia. They got shut out in that game. Then, you know, you play Dallas, fine, whatever. You got killed by the Colts, and you got killed by the Seahawks in that second half. They've really struggled so far, and obviously, you know, two tough games coming up. You're at 3-6. and six. Even if the Giants win out at 10-6, and six, there's no guarantee that gets you into the playoffs. No, I agree. So, you know, I, I personally don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but, you know, I, I can't say I'm not surprised with what happened last week. They were taking on a much better football team on the road in a tough environment. We were just talking about how hard it is to play in Seattle. And, it's very hard. You know, obviously, Seattle dropped the game to the Cowboys earlier this season, but that's still Seattle. They're still the defending champs. Hard not to be surprised with what happened with the result of last week's game. And now they come back home taking on a Niners team that saved their season last week in New Orleans. And, you know, it's just as big a game as it is for the Niners as it is for the Giants. It is, and that scares you if you're a Giant fan because, let's be honest here, the Niners are significantly better than the Giants are. Even though the Niners sit at 5-4, and four, they're a better team than the Giants are. And if they were, if, you know, in a situation where they need to win, I mean, they're a team that can really steamroll the Giants this week like we saw Seattle do last week. I think one thing that really concerned me about the Giants last week is, you know, going into half, they looked all right. It wasn't terrible. There was a lot of it. Didn't it? Didn't make you think, wow, this is they're going to get blown out in the second half. And they came out in the second half, really made no adjustments on defense. You saw Seattle make so many different adjustments on offense. They gave him so many different looks out of the option with Russell Wilson, and the Giants just had no answer. No answer. I mean, and, and is that? Coaching, I, I really don't know if that's coaching or personnel, but it is apparent that the Giants just didn't look ready to play that second half, and, and that, that's concerning for you if you're looking at this team on the outside looking in. And what worries you if you're a Giants fan is, that, and a great staff from Connor Weingarten, one of our producers, he says that the Giants are the worst team in the NFL against the rush right now. 144.7 yards per game they give up on the ground. And guess what? The San Francisco 49ers have a guy in Frank Gore that they're going to try and give the football to. Not to mention Colin Kaepernick. If, the, if you saw Marshawn Lynch run up the gazoo last week, I mean, what do you think that Frank Gore is going to be able to do? Russell Wilson had a lot of success in that option last week, and the Niners are going to do the same thing, Dan, with Kaepernick. You just said it. So the Giants are going to be in for a rough one, and San Francisco's actually 5-0 and when they give the football to Frank Gore at least 16 times. You know Frank Gore, as long as he's healthy, he's going to get the football more than 16 times. It's just it's a, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Giants to get. I think the only positive you could take out of the last couple of weeks is that you have a legitimate 
receiver you drafted, no Dell Beckham Jr. I mean, that's that's the only he's gonna po- be he's going to be a player for years to come for the Giants, and I think that's the big positive you take out of the, of last week's game is that the guy's for real. The guy's for real I mean, in the receiving he lit up game. Richard Sherman a couple times last week. He did, but outside of that, I mean, there's not much positive you could take out of the Giants' loss to Seattle last week. It was just it was an ugly. It was one of those games, and and you made a good point, Jake. When the Giants have over the last five, this is this is what concerns you with the Giants. Outside of a stretch of two months in the last five years, the Giants have pretty much been the same team. Outside of a stretch seven of two, years, seven, se- years. Uh, seven years, yeah. outside of a stretch of two months, they have been the same team. When they lose, they get their butts kicked, and when they win, they, they you know they win, they play well. But when they lose, I mean, they don't lose a close game that comes down to the wire. They usually win those games. The games they lose are the games like we saw against Seattle, where they just they can't do anything and they look like a they look like an zero eight team. Nevertheless, a team that's three and five against Seattle, and it was—it's like it was unbelievable. You almost have to blame the coaching staff because Seattle made adjustments, and the Giants. Didn't well, count well, that's what I was saying. Is it—is it the coach? You know, we're—we're we're not there well, for the schemes. The Giants it's, don't have enough talent, but they were clearly out coached. Specifically, Perry Fuel was out. Oh yeah, because you had a team that couldn't make any tackles, was out of position, couldn't stop Lynch and Wilson, and that second half they just got lit up. They got lit up, and then that's what—is it the coach? I mean, is there needs to be a change at defensive coordinator? That brings up a whole other discussion with Tom Coughlin's future with the New York football Giants. I mean, that's that's to be seen, but I mean, a 3-6 and six right now, it's going to be tough for them It was with the games they have on their schedule to, to play well enough to get into the playoffs. I just don't see it in their future. No, I, don't, I didn't see it before the start of the season, and right now at 3-6, and six, I still don't see it, and I don't think they're going to win this week, but we'll make the picks with the spread in the pigskin pick'ems a little bit later on in the show, and let's switch to the Jets because, Dan, I told you last week. Yeah, you were right. The minute I picked the Jets, or pick against the Jets on the show for the first time all season long, they'd win a football game, and they did just that. And they did. They, you know, they they, they um, it was a win that that's long overdue. They beat a a good Pittsburgh Steelers team that I think maybe overestimated them a little bit, but they played really well. I mean, Jaquan Jarrett, Temple's own, was tremendous out of Brooklyn, New York. Played absolutely. I believe you have some sort of affiliation with Temple. It's my alma mater. You went there for a semester, actually. It's, it's my alma. It's it's my 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 heart and soul is in Philadelphia. So I, I mean, I mean, Jaquan Jarrett played played really well. I mean, he he was tremendous. He really came out of nowhere. Calvin Pryor didn't get the start for whatever the reason was. Defensive player of the week. And then you Andre. you bring in Jaquan Jarrett, defensive player of the week. I'll tell you what. He's buying himself a few more trips to a few more a few more chances to start in the National Football League for the Jets, especially a team that's two and eight. I mean, he deserved. He was really. I mean, he was all over the field. Two interceptions. Two interceptions. Uh, he was great. Fumble recovery. He had a sack. Ten tackles. Yeah, he did a little bit of everything for the Jets on Sunday, and that's the type of effort that they needed going forward. They needed a win in the worst way, and you know this idea that people are like, oh, they should just lose or whatnot. <laughs> I can't sit here and root for my team to lose. Nah, you can't do that. It was good that. to see him get a big win. It was good for Rex. It was really vintage Rex. Great game plan for the Jets, a team that doesn't have a secondary outside of one play at the very end of the game, that 80-yard touchdown pass. The Jets secondary held up. Marcus Williams actually looked like a pretty decent player on Sunday. He did. For that Jets team. And you know, at the end of the day, you give credit to Michael Vick, who actually looks like a professional quarterback out there, not turning the ball over, making just enough plays. And, you know, yeah, I mean, what did we see from the Jets? We saw a 67-yard touchdown pass. That's the Jets' biggest play since 2008. We never see that. Yeah, and that's who was the quarterback in 2008? Brett Favre. I mean, you know, so at the end of the day, you got to give credit to this Jets team. Finally found a way to get a win. Great game plan from Coach Rex Ryan. And the Jets into the bye. They can't lose this week. They got a week off to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, this was a, just a, one of those feel-good wins. I mean, after eight straight losses, I mean, a- any win you could take it. I mean, any win you could get, you'll take. And 
you know, in a fashion where you really outplayed the Steelers for 60 minutes. I mean, the Steelers were never, it never felt like the Steelers were really in this football game. I mean, it seemed like uh, the Jets defensively had a great game plan, and offensively, Michael Vick didn't turn the football over, and the Jets didn't turn the football over, and that's going to be a recipe for success for them. No, you're absolutely right, and at the end of the day, the Jets are 2-8 and eight into the bye, but... Once again, as a Jeff fan, we don't have to sit here and we don't have to watch them play this week. So I'm definitely it's a win. Looking forward it's to it. It's a win. It's, it's another a... win for the Jets this week. Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. And obviously, that's going to conclude our Jet Giant weekly segment. But when we come back, we're going to go. We're when we come back, we're going to bring on Jake Chernock, our executive producer, to play a little buy or sell. Right after this, we'll be back. All right, Jake, thanks for coming on with us, and we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to get right to the pigskin pickums back right after this.
Back on the Asman and Budic Show podcast, Jake Asman here, obviously, with Jake Chernock. I'm Dan Budic, and it's time for a little buy or sell as we bring our producer, Jake Chernock, on. The first question, the Eagles will win the NFC East. Jake, we'll start with you. You know, I'm going to buy it. I, I still think that, obviously, Dallas has a great chance, but I really think that the Eagles right now, sitting at 7-2 and two, where they are, how well they played with Mark Sanchez. I know it was against the Panthers, but I don't think they're really going to miss a step going to Sanchez. And I think this offense is good enough to be able to c- compete with anyone, and I think the Eagles' defense is better than people give it credit for. I'm still going to take the Eagles in this one. It wouldn't surprise me if Dallas you know, comes back and they do win the division in the end, but until I see Dallas win a big game in December, I'm going to take the Eagles, and I think the Eagles are going to win the NFC East. I'll buy that as well, too, for the pretty much the same reason that you just gave, Jake. Mark Sanchez, too, seems to have really revitalized his career in Philadelphia now, and if he can make those same plays, I guess if he can play the same way that he did against Carolina for the rest of the season, there's no doubt about it. You know, the Eagles will hold on and win this division, especially with Tony Romo's injury, uh, injury problems. I just, I'm not sure about the Cowboys right now. I'll, I'll buy that. Well, until I see the Cowboys win a big game in December, I'm going to have to sell this. I, I'm going to have to buy this, excuse me. I don't think the Cowboys are going to win the division. I haven't seen enough for them in a big-time game in, big, in December when, it's, when they really need to get a big win to push themselves in the playoff. They haven't been able to do it. I think the Eagles are the best team in the division. I think they're going to win the division. All right, so let's move on to the next one, guys. Buy or sell, Mark Trussman will be fired at the end of the season. We'll start with you, Chernock. This is a very tough one for me. I'm, you know, I'm very intrigued. Obviously, it's only his second season at the helm of the Chicago Bears. But 8-8 eight and eight last year, obviously lost the division on the, uh, in the season's final week with that uh, brutal loss to Green Bay at home. Uh, I don't know. It's been so bad this year. I actually have a lot of family from Chicago. A good cousin of mine, or, or cousin of mine, is. Well, a if you actually saw our Twitter fan. account, we saw you were a pretty that big Bears true. fan yeah. too. Can I? All right. Should I just give you a story behind that? Because I know I was taking some flack on Twitter for wearing a Bears hat. So. For those who don't know, we'll plug the Twitter account as we usually do very cheaply on the show at Asma Budic Show. Anyway, so a couple years ago, my my aunt, uh, she were um, she lives in Chicago. She works in Chicago, and so they had a suite. For a Bears game, I happened to be in Chicago that weekend, and apparently the Bears do a very cool thing where they allow the fans to come on the field before the game. They hold up a big flag or whatever. So I was on the field at the Bears game, wearing a Bears big hat. flag. I mean, if I'm on the field at the mean, Bears game, you could, what were you it's the pri- wear a giant hat. You wear a giant hat. I do. So yeah. I wasn't left with any other choice. I was wearing a Bears hat, and I, I will say this too: when the Jets are out of the playoffs, whatever, like they will be, I do often root for the Chicago Bears because. I do have a lot of family from Chicago. But in the case of Mark Trestman, I don't know. I think it's so interesting. I guess I'll probably sell it just because I think uh, that he'll be given one more year to try and prove himself after coming over from the CFL, but maybe one more year after this. Oh, God. The, you, turn out you mentioned this is a really tough one. I, I, I'm going to have to buy it. I, 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 you know, after the, the disaster this season and, and the fact that there were much high hopes last season, they only, they, they, with uh, Aaron Rodgers, who got hurt, and they only finished eight and eight. Couldn't take advantage. I couldn't seize the opportunity for them, their time to really, you know, win the division and maybe go far in the playoffs. Only finishing eight and eight, not being able to do so this year, three and six. And it seems like everything has been undone and everything's been untangled. Has been tangled. And I, I just think he's going to get get fired. I think it's time for a new a new voice there, especially with the chaos going on in that locker room, especially going around Jay Culler. Is he a franchise quarterback? He's overpaid. I mean, that's not things you want circulating in your ro- locker room at this point in the season or ever. 
Well, I, I kind of see both sides here. I think obviously a lot of it depends on where the Bears finish the rest of the way. But if you had to look at it right now, I'm going to buy it too. I don't know if you could bring a coach back that might have lost the locker room. There seems to be a lot of issues going on. Trestman, if you heard his post-game presser, Daniel, I know you mentioned it earlier in the show, he didn't have any idea what was going on. He just said his team's not a very good football team right now. And Kind of stating the obvious when you look at this team. They have Jay Cutler, they have Brandon Marshall, they have Alshon Jeffrey, and they have Matt Forte. Those pieces alone should put them in the top five in the league offensively, and they just haven't been able to do it. And their defense has been horrendous. And you watch Chris Collinsworth break down some of the defensive tape from their game against Green Bay, and he just pointed to the fact that it wasn't the fact that these guys didn't have talent on certain plays. They were out of position. They weren't in the right spots, and that falls on coaching. So at the end of the day, with the way the Bears are playing right now, if they don't turn it around, I'm going to buy it and think that Mark Trestman won't be back. Yeah, it, it, it's just it's one of those things. And it's funny because, too, because, I mean, because in the past we've seen the Bears have such great defenses, obviously with Brian Urlacher and Lance Briggs. They've been so good in years past uh, defensively. And this year the secondary especially has just been absolutely brutal. I know because I watch a lot of their games. They're uh, f- Obviously my family's from Chicago and – um, their secondary has just been brutal the last two seasons, not even just this season. They've had a lot of uh, issues in the secondary, and uh, it, it's just been brutal. But moving on to our third and final question, obviously the Cardinals now without Carson Palmer for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Buy or sell, guys. The Cardinals will still win the division minus their star quarterback. Dan, let's start with you. I'm going to buy it only because you look where they are at 8-1. and one. It's going to be tough for them not to win that division. So I think a couple more wins, that'll win them that division, maybe 10 or 11 wins. But I think they could have been a 12 or 13 win team with the way they've been playing if Carson's still in there. But like I mentioned before, it's going to be a matter of how far can they go with Drew Stan, not just winning the divisions. But I'm going to buy it. I think they still win that division. I want to sell this one. I don't think they're going to, st- I don't think they're going to win the division. I'll tell you why. Right now you look at Seattle, they're at 6-3. and three. They still have two more games left with the Cardinals. So if the Cardinals slip up a little bit and Seattle continues to play with the with the way they're playing right now, I could see Seattle winning those two games and jumping the Cardinals in the standings. If they if they finish tied and Seattle wins those head-to-head matchups, then they'll be the division winners. I think at the end of the day, the Cardinals are a fine football team. They're going to have to rely on their defense. But Ron Jaworski made a great point yesterday. For everyone that thinks that the Cardinals minus Carson Palmer are just going to be able to rely on their run game. They don't have a running game. Their offense was predicated on moving the ball in Bruce Arians' offensive system. They're going to still try and take shots down the field with Stanton. They're going to need guys like Larry Fitzgerald, who always plays well, to continue to play well and really step up and raise his game. And that defense needs to be great. I just think when you look at it with the way Seattle's playing right now, at the end of the day, I'm going to have to take the Seahawks. I think they're going to be able to win those two games against the Cardinals with their defense and that offense. And they're going to be in a position to take that division back from the Cardinals. Yeah, I'm going to have to sell this as well because I think personally the, uh, the Seahawks are still the best team in this division. They're still the defending Super Bowl champions no matter what anybody says about them. They had, they, I mean, obviously they've had some ups and downs this year, but they lost to what is a very good Cowboys team at home. It's not like they lost to the Rams or something at home or or another uh, bad team like that, but I'm also going to have to pick uh, uh, sell that. I just do not think that the Cardinals, without their star quarterback, like you said, that offense is predicated on moving the ball through the air. I just like the Seahawks here. I'm going to have to sell it. I still think Drew Stan's going to play. I don't think he's going to play great, but I think he's going to play well enough for them to, you know, maybe they're going to have to rely more on their defense. I, I still think they're, they're going to win the division. They still have two games uh, there's still two games up on Seattle. I don't think they're going to play as poor enough, even if they do when they do play Seattle, to give up that lead. I still think they're going to hold on to it. It's just a matter of, of, of where they're going to go with that. You know, this was a team that was talking about maybe going to an NFC Championship game or a Super Bowl. I mean, can Drew Stanton take them that far? I mean, that's the big question for this team moving forward throughout the remainder of the season. Well, one thing's for sure, guys, is likely going to come down to whether or not they 
are able to win those games against the Seahawks. If they're able to maybe split them, they're going to win the division. If Seattle keeps it going and they win those two, you're looking at Seattle having that home field through at least the first round of the playoffs. We'll see where they end up. But, Jake, thanks for coming on for the buy or sell as usual. And now we're going to get to your four downs package right here on the Aspen Budic Show, the Football Frenzy Podcast.
Our first game for the pigskin pickums is the San Francisco 49ers traveling to East Rutherford, New Jersey, taking on your New York Giants. Dan, San Fran favored by four and a half. Who are you liking? I'm taking San Fran to cover. I mean, the Giants, I think this is going to be a tough game for them to win, especially with San Fran needing to get pick up some victories to stay in pace for a playoff spot. I think they're going to win the game and cover the spread. I agree with you, Dan. I just don't see a scenario where the Giants win this game. That's not a good matchup for them. Not at Seattle all. Seattle and San Francisco are very similar teams, and you know, unless the Giants all of a sudden learn how to tackle and be in the right position, I don't really see that much changing as far as the outcome for this football game. It's a lot of points to lay on the road. The Niners are coming across the country, but I just don't think the Giants are a very good team right now. Give me San Francisco. Give me San Francisco. I'll lay the four and a half. Absolutely. And then you look. Sunday night football, Indianapolis at home against New England. We talked about it early on in the show. Probably the best game of the week. Jake, who are you thinking? I'm going to take the Patriots in this one, and I know the, the hot pick is to take Luck and the Colts, but I think at the end of the day, we talked about it earlier, which defense will make the play. I feel more comfortable in Darrell Revis and that Pats defense being able to make a play late than I do in that Colts defense. Give me the Patriots. Give me Brady. And, you know, give me the Bill Belichick and that coaching staff. I think they put together a good game plan. Patriots, minus two and a half. I'm picking them. I'm picking them, too, uh, with the two and a half. I, obviously, I, I think they're going to win the game. I just I like Indianapolis, but then again, you made a good point, Jake. I'm not taking anything away from Brady and Belichick. Every time I overest- every time I uh, underestimate them, they always seize to the moment and, 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 and rise to the moment and pick up a victory. I know it's a tough win. I know you're dealing with a high-flying offense in Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. I think New England's going to win the game. Next game, Dan, let's get to the Monday night football game. You have the Steelers and the Titans. Pittsburgh minus six on the road, but Tennessee has just been so bad, and I think that this Steelers team needs the game. Steelers need the game. I'm going to take them to cover the spread. I think they're going to get a bounce-back win. It was a very tough loss on the road against the 1-8 Jet team last week. They're going to bounce back and get the win in Tennessee. So we agree on another game, Dan. First time that's happened in a while where we agree on all three of the main games. Of course, we're not picking the Jet game this week due to the bye week, so we'll have our wild card game right after this one, but I, I agree with you. I just don't think that Tennessee's a good team. I think the way the Steelers played against the Jet, the Jet with all those turnovers. I think they fixed that up, and I think Ben Roethlisberger and his offense goes into Tennessee and they put up a lot of points. I, th- I agree with you. I just think they're going to bounce back and get the win. So, Dan, your first wild card game. First wild card game, I have Atlanta on the road at Carolina. They're two and a half, they're two point dogs. I think Atlanta's going to win. Carolina's just been so dreadful the last couple weeks. I mean, we saw them on Monday night against Mark Sanchez now and the Philadelphia Eagles. I just I can't pick Carolina until I see them play better football. I know Atlanta hasn't played well either, but uh, well, I take Matt Ryan and that offense over what I've seen out of the Carolina offense. My wild card game is Seahawks at the Chiefs. Seattle actually a one-point dog in this football game mm, going on the it's road. It's going to be a good one. But I just like the way Seattle matches up against the Chiefs. I think if they could stop Jamal Charles and make Alex Smith beat you, I like the Seattle's chances with that secondary stepping up, making plays. This, the Seahawks really impressed me with their ability to run the football with Lynch. And, of course, Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson. I think Seattle's really starting to get things together. I like them going on the road to pick up this win. Absolutely. That's a good game. That's going to be a great game. Going to be a great game. And a lot of these games are very good games. And oh, we talked about it. A yeah. lot of these games this week are those games where you have to really think about it and think of who's going to win. There's not that game that jumps out of you saying, wow, that's, a, that's an easy win. Not this week. But, Dan, as always, I thank you for being my broadcast partner right here on the Asbury and Show. That's going to do it for us. This has been another edition of the Football Frenzy Podcast. We'll be back next week with all your coverage for Dan Budick, Jake Chernock. I'm week Jake 12, Asman. baby. Week 12. Week 12. Can't believe it. For Dan Budick and Jake Chernock, I'm Jake Asman saying so long, everybody. Thanks again.